Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of my book chat. I have another fantastic guest to chat with today. I'm going to bring her in and let her introduce herself. Oh, so, hey. Madam, go ahead and tell us about yourself. <laughs> sure, Maddie. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I think it's amazing what you do. And I love your title, The Chapter Goddess. Thank you. Um, my name is Marnie Fadarero, and I am an author of the award-winning spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale. And I'm so pleased it just won the 2022 Hollywood Book Fest um, award uh, for a final, let's see, for runner-up. And then in 2020, it won the, the Best Books Award with American Book Fest. And it's also a five-star reader's favorite. So I'm just so excited that that first writing endeavor you know, resonates with some people. But I'm also the author of a five book series called True Deceit, False Love. And that addresses, you know, issues regarding family trauma. And so it's very different genre, but really enjoy the writing process. And, and um, so excited to, to be an author. That is exciting. And a lot of people don't realize how much work goes into writing a book. So how, like, tell me about the inspiration behind your book, God Came to My Garage Sale. Where did that come from? Yeah, sure. Well, I was, I was close to retiring from my 35-year career as a special education teacher at the high school level in the Chicago suburbs. And um, 12 of those years, I was a university graduate school professor. So, you know, I'm familiar with reading and writing. Um, I had to do you know, write a big dissertation for my doctorate degree. And, you know, but I never really thought about writing a book. Um, but I, I had some major experiences, some spiritually transformative encounters that happened at a garage sale when I was kind of in a transition in my life. And uh, that prompted me to do a lot of research on near-death experiences or STEs. And, um, my my experiences were so profound, just like anyone who has some of these transformational experiences. You want to talk about it. You want to speak about it. You want to write about it. And that's when I wrote my book, God Came to My Garage Sale. And it's about an atheist woman, you know, loses everything, has a garage sale and miracles happen. And it makes her question, is there something bigger going on? In this world, so really, I look at it as a crossover book. It's it's not a religious book. Um, I would say it's spiritual, but it's it's for the everyday person that asks the everyday questions that we all ask: Is there something more going on? That is interesting, and the fact that that experience happened at a garage sale is even fa more fascinating because yeah. you never know where you're going to run into something like that and that happen. Mm -hmm. So, how long did it take for you to write this book? after the incident? You know, well, I'm, I would say um, when I had the garage sale, it was 2014. And then it was eventually published with Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House in 2019. So that's okay. the timeline. Um, I was busy though, doing a lot of other things during that time. I was finishing up my education career, but I also moved from a lifetime in the Chicago suburbs to the Caribbean. So, Ooh. you know, I was busy living life and, and writing at the same time. And, um, I was so honored that, um, 
James Redfield, the best-selling author of The Celestine Prophecy and The Tenth Insight, um, he endorsed my book uh, along with a few other people. And that really gave me the validation that, you know, yeah, I had something to say and it would probably resonate with a wider audience. And actually, I'm in talks right now for the book to become a movie. So Ooh. we'll see where that takes me. That is fascinating. Congratulations on that, because that's that's a huge thing. Well, we'll see. It hasn't happened yet, but it's it's in the works. Well, with it being in the early stages of like transferring into a movie, what are some of the things you've learned about that process? Not a whole lot yet. You know, just that it you, you really need to seek out who your audience would be and then and then, you know, learn you know, what are, who are some of the directors and who are, who are some of the um, movie producers that, that do this kind of genre, this type of movie. So, you know, there's a lot of research that goes into it, but I will tell you just recently, I was given another one of these signs and synchronicities where I had been trying to manifest, um, you know, I would like this book to become a movie. And lots of times when I'm manifesting and I'm living in gratitude and I'm asking God for, you know, something specific, I'm floating in the ocean, you know, just really immersed in nature. And and I had a pretty cool experience meeting meeting someone who gave me some direction on the next step to take. So I don't want to give away too much because, you know, it hasn't unfolded yet. But I think being aware, you, do, you have to do some research, of course. And, you know, but you also have to, to really, in your heart of hearts, believe that you have something that would be of value to, to be shown in a different medium other than in a book. Nice. And I have to ask about the transition from Chicago to where you are now and the yeah. writing that went into it, do you feel like that may have influenced some of what went into your story moving from like where it's cooler to a warmer climate, better climate? Well, not so much with the first book, God Came to My Garage Sale, because I pretty much had that finished before I moved to the Caribbean. But since I've been in the Caribbean three years, I have put out a five book series called True Deceit, False Love. And so obviously I have found healing and inspiration, you know, in my new locale. I absolutely love living here. Although I have to say, you know, I spent a lifetime in the Chicago suburbs and I loved living there too. I think that I am just a person who can find happiness and beauty and wonder wherever I land, you know? So, so um, it's just really kind of nice in this phase of my life and retirement, you know, to be able to go to the ocean whenever I want and to live in the rainforest and, you know, explore the wonder of nature. That sounds wonderful. Just this description. I love being in nature myself. It's not quite the same because I'm in Oklahoma. So it's like foresty mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And yeah, Right now, still extremely hot, but being out in nature is just so refreshing. Do you find that it helps and boost your creativity? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, in fact, I have this gorgeous writing desk and I never sit there to write. 
I always go out where I'm overlooking the ocean and I'm in the trade winds and the breeze and, you know, in the sunshine. So um, I think it, I think my environment is definitely inspirational, but I've spent some time in Oklahoma as well. And, and, you know, there are beautiful places there too. Just like I said, you can find beauty wherever you are. That is true. And it's always fun to go find those and explore. Mm -hmm. So living life in the Caribbean, I'm, I'm super curious about this because I've never got to go there. Um, what is your favorite thing about living there? I would just say the ocean, probably. Mm -hmm. That is the most favorite because really I'm in St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the biggest of the three Virgin Islands in the United States, but it is the smallest as far as population. And it's sort of out of the the traditional Caribbean kind of, you know, trajectory. And so mm -hmm. there, there are beaches everywhere. You know, wherever you go, you're really just five minutes away. And, and there, I haven't been to all of them either. You know, it's just so much fun to explore. And um, I'm a fan of snorkeling. So uh, more so than being on a boat on top of the water, I like to be in the water because of the wide array of things that I've seen. Of course, there's always turtles um, where our island is known for turtles. Um, I've seen many rays and um, seahorses and um, just a variety of Caribbean fish. And, you know, it's just it's it's always exciting. There's always something new to explore. And I actually have flown with sharks as well. So, you know, Ooh. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just exciting and fun. That sounds like it. And I have to ask, as any person, we all deal with struggles, like regarding mental health and everything. What do you do for self-care there? I do a lot of things for self-care, you know, especially because I am a survivor of domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, parental alienation, and intergenerational family trauma. So I actually have learned through my traumas to take good care of myself physically, mentally, and spiritually. So, you know, to be specific, I wake up with an attitude of gratitude, you know, saying affirmations, just being thankful for the many blessings that I have been given, focusing on the positives, not ignoring the negatives, the negatives, you have to acknowledge the pain and trauma that you've been through, the significant losses that are a result of your life journey and sometimes your own choices. But I don't stay in victimhood. I stay in a, you know, a feeling of gratitude and I am engulfed with the message that love is the highest vibration and that honesty and truth prevails and um and that eventually you know goodness does and that you know can bring you peace and happiness so i i wake up that way i i make sure i put nutritious food in my body i am fortunate to be able to have a hydroponics farm a, an extensive organic garden so really i am eating farm to table all the time mm -hmm. and because i'm on an island i basically just go to the the farmers markets which are every week um because our our seasons are our four seasons are summer summer 
summer and summer. <laughs> and so we have farmers markets all the time. And so I like, for example, I don't even think in my lifetime in the Chicago suburbs, I ate okra and, you know, I only ate pumpkin when it was seasonal, you know, mm -hmm. um, October, November. Now that is a kind of a year round staple for me and, and, and something I can grow. So we have beautiful on our property. I live on many acres in the rainforest and we have many fruit trees and avocados and, and, Ooh. you know, mango trees, lots of passion fruit. Um, in fact, I need to start looking up recipes of other things besides juice to do with passion fruit because <laughs> I have so much of it. But, um, so I take care of myself nutritionally. I make sure I sleep. Um, you know, it gets darker here earlier than in the States. And it's just so wonderful to just, you know, curl up and get comfortable. And, you know, wherever I am resting, I have a beautiful view of the ocean and of the sunrises and the sunsets and the rainbows that happen almost every day. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I get enough sleep. And, um, and then just spiritually, I take time to do yoga, to meditate, to just spend time reflecting while I'm staring off into the rainforest or something, you know? So I really, I think part of my good fortune is that I am retired from my regular day job. You know, I don't, I don't set an alarm anymore, but I did for most of my life and, you know, time was was always kind of a constraining factor. And I don't really have that here. I have, I have the freedom to just, you know, um, let nature set my clock. That's honestly the best, like letting nature set your clock, your body. Cause I've read something, it was a research article about how it functions better when it, like when you get up with the sun and you go to bed, mm -hmm. like when it sets and actually to reset your body, there, it recommended going and staying in a tent without alarms or electronics or anything and just go with the flow of the day. And I, that's really cool and exciting that you get to do that because I would right. love to do that. Absolutely would love to do that. Right. And I'm, I, I really am thankful for that. But I think part of why I am doing so well and I'm continuing to be happy and, you know, um, I think it's because I've addressed so much of the family issues and the losses that I've experienced. And, you know, I've gotten to a place of just forgiveness and, you know, I have moved on, you know, uh, even though some other people might not have, I have moved on. I've set some very healthy boundaries for myself, but I've dealt with a lot of, of the trauma and a lot of trying to work through and understand what you've been through is to do the intergenerational family deep dive look into your own past, you know, your family of origin. What are things that, you know, were foundations that added to the patterns that might've contributed to your situation? You know, you certainly can't take responsibility for what abusers will do. That's all on them but we can control how we respond in situations. And, and then we can do the inner work to kind of see what makes us a target for abuse or what makes us put up with being treated poorly for so long. Mm -hmm. how, how is it that we ignore red flags? 
And so many of us ignore red flags in our lives. We don't follow our gut intuition to make a change or to go for something. Uh, we just kind of question ourselves. We might have been gaslit to question ourselves, or we just might not feel capable or able or worthy or whatever it is that's holding us back from pursuing our dreams. Um, I have learned to kind of push through that and, and really try to, to realize, you know, my dreams and to self-actualize. And I think acknowledging what you've been through is good researching, but in my case, writing has just been, you know, what has really helped me turn a corner and, you know, the writing and the, the speaking, you know, people seem to, to want to talk about, you know, these candid conversations on, on real life issues, whether it's writing, mm -hmm. whether it's spirituality, whether it's, it's overcoming family traumas, because, you know, probably everyone has some sort of family trauma in their life. Um, I'm, I'm even getting to the point where I'm, I'm about ready to focus on some other literary endeavors. Like I do have the sixth book in the true deceit, false love series, almost done. That'll mm -hmm. come out next year, but I have so many other things I want to write about. And so I'm, I'm going to pursue in the new year, a, a different path. Nice. That is exciting. And it's really crazy how all these ideas just to seem to start flowing once you get in that zone. And just the ideas don't stop. I have a like journal that I try to keep all the ideas down in. It's really hard to like mm -hmm. sit down and focus on writing one for me because I want it like my brain wants to go to this one. So I've learned a right? lot. Like, you have to almost like prioritize like, okay, let's finish this first before we move on to this. And right, my brain right. was trying to like hyper focus on this, but. And sometimes, asked, sometimes you need to be structured. Sometimes you yes. do need to put some organization into what you're doing. But there is something to say about letting all these ideas flow and come in and out of your consciousness. And, you know, I think when the time is right, you end up tackling a project that is meant to be tackled. Yep. I have to agree with that because, as you said, you mentioned writing was kind of a healing thing for you things come up in a lot of like what authors write and they realize, oh, that's a problem in my own life. Like I manifested right. that in this character that I've created and it kind of makes you like stop and think about that. And I found myself, I, thanks from my high school days, because I have a story that I was a contemporary romance kind of co romantic comedy thing that I started writing and something came up in that. And I was like, whoa, wait a mm -hmm. second what <laughs> but it, yeah. it was I had to put myself back in like my high school thing like high school mindset it was because a lot of the characters are getting together for their 10-year high school reunion so a lot of like talking stuff is coming up from that and it was just really weird that that jumped out at me and it was okay yeah but well. it's actually very natural because you know even fiction stories have some sort of grounding in reality. You know, you are bringing some experiences to developing your characters or developing the plot, you know, um, and, and that's okay, you know, and, and actually God came to my garage sale is very much inspired by true experiences that happened, you know, okay. and, and speaking of high school, I actually incorporated numerous experiences from my high school and my childhood uh, and my college years 
throughout this spiritual fiction where the character, you know, has a miracle experience, but then reflects back on her life and, and experiences that she had. And so it's, it's, it really was very cool. You know, it was very, very fun to, you know, interweave some of my real experiences and emotions into, you know, a fictional story. That is amazing. Have you found yourself writing a scene that's brought you to tears? I think all of the scenes in that particular book did because in writing about it and editing and editing and editing and editing, yeah. as you know, that's it's is never done. ending. That's never ending. <laughs> Even after the book is published, you're like, ah, I wish I would have yes. switched that. So I try not to get too stuck on that. I, I need to at some point just say, okay, I'm done. I, I <laughs> I have to, I have to let the publisher know, here it goes. Um, but I would say I probably got emotional with every single of the 13 vignettes that I wrote about in God came to my garage sale because the experiences I had were so profound and life-changing that it kind of brought me back to, you know, the moments that I, I encountered some of these things. So yeah, I'm, I'm someone who is emotional in that I'm filled with love and I'm filled with, with connection. You know, I'm a very authentic individual. So, you know, um, yeah, the emotions are there probably with, with every one of the chapters. That is awesome. I love when authors can really feel their emotions pouring into their writing because it, it shows that they're tied into it more and that it's not just like a process because there are those books I've come across where you can just tell that the author was not into it but they were writing it more so for the market or for the money and right right yeah and as it, we both know there's no money in doing this this you know being being <laughs> a you know a self-published author you know an indie author you know in my case I'm not in it for the money at all. There is no money in it. In fact, there's investments that I put in um, just to, you know, publicize or, you know, travel to a book signing or, you know, reach out to various people and, and bookstores and that type of thing, which is just a passion. And I'm very happy to do that. Um, so, but you can tell there are some authors that, you know, just want to market their book in a certain way, you know, because their goal is not uh, really the passion of, of writing and getting a message out. Yes, I agree with that. Cause it's, yeah, I enjoy putting effort into my writing and making it the best. And like, I feel those emotions and I, I love it. Like it's a part of why I love writing. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So your books, you said you have God came to my garage sale. And what was the other books? True Deceit, False Love is the five, soon to be six book series. And then I'm also a co-author in six anthology books that have made international bestsellers. So that's a very cool thing that I never knew about before I got into this, that there are people that want to do anthology books where you contribute a chapter or an essay to a larger volume that includes other people's chapters and essays. And usually they are theme-based, um, but not always. And that has been so cool because it has really introduced me to 
a wide variety of other writers and and just this whole other kind of um, multi-author kind of situation. And, um, and that's been a lot of fun. I've made some pretty amazing connections. And then as a result of one of the books, I was inducted into the, um, in 2022, I was inducted into the International Best-Selling Authors Organization. And, you know, that did not happen with the books I did on my own, but it did happen as part of, you know, contributing as a co-author in one of the anthology books. So that was that was a really neat, neat honor in itself. Although, if you can't tell already, I'm someone who doesn't really need the external validation. I'm someone very much internally driven. And that's a good thing. But to have that external validation is, it's nice too. Um, yeah. Comparing the writing for the anthology and your series, tell, mm -hmm. let's talk about the differences there. What kind of differences did you find? Well, there's, there's huge differences. You know, when you contribute to an anthology, you're just contributing a chapter. So you are really kind of focusing as if you would for like one of the many magazine articles that I have contributed to. You know, where you're given a theme, a topic, and you really kind of just write on that. And so that's very simple. You don't have to do any kind of promoting. I do a lot of my own editing, but some of the anthology organizers, they have their own editors that also, you know, um, put their two cents in just to kind of make it all flow, um, which is fine. Um so that's a whole different ballgame than either of my other, you know, personal writing endeavors. My, my five book series, I didn't really set out to write a five book series. I was just doing my own, you know, kind of research work to figure out what is domestic violence? You know, okay, I, I don't have my adult children in my life. I know I didn't do anything to harm them. You know, then I learned about parental alienation and how even adult children can align with an, a, you know, an alienating parent based on a false narrative or, or whatever. Um, very, very malevolent though, you know, an intentional way to kind of destroy their ex by using the kids. And, but, you know, the research has really helped me come to terms with that and understand the bigger picture, you know, and, and led to a lot of healing. I mean, of course, no, no wonderful father or wonderful mother wants to live life without their children, but, but understanding the dynamics, you know, of a personality disordered individual who would go to such extremes to, to use the children, it, it, then it kind of makes sense. Then you really can kind of understand and it's happening to so many people around the world. I mean, this is a, a big issue, but it's not really talked about a lot. But anyway, I was researching, you know, just to try to understand. I didn't even know really what narcissism was. And so in my research, I, I would write down a term or a phrase um, just to look it up later and connect the dots to my own experience. And before I knew it, I had a hundred to look up. And then the list grew to a thousand. And then after it was over 15,000, I was like, okay, wait a minute here. This is helping me understand. Maybe it'll help someone else. And so my first book in the series is 15,555 terms and phrases on 
domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, parental alienation. And so a natural offshoot with that was trying to understand the terminology. And I love acrostic poems. And I've, I've written acrostics my whole life where you write a word vertically and connect a sentence or a thought to it. And so I ended up writing my second book, which I picked 13 words and phrases for each letter of the alphabet. So that's the teacher in me kind of getting myself organized. Um, So I, I think the number comes out to 338 acrostic poems, but I've written them not as like a personal tell all anything. I've written them from various perspectives. Um, even from an abuser's point of view, which, you know, it's very hard to think like a criminal when you're not a criminal, you know, but it's, you know, being on the other receiving end of some very negative behaviors, you can kind of guess what they might be thinking or what their motives might be. So I wrote from that perspective or from a victim or from a survivor or from a child or a grandparent. Um, I even wrote, you know, um, about the the relationship dynamics in work situations with yeah. the boss and employees because there are toxic, you know, oh, champions. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, there are. So so that was a wonderful book and very, very well received. I have to say, I think that's one of my favorite books out of the, the five book series. And then the third book was a survivor's workbook using acrostic poetry. So if other people find that writing is healing for them, they can, you know, get very simple instructions on how to create acrostic poems themselves. So they can pick words that have meaning for them um, and be able to kind of get the emotions out of their physical body and onto a page, you know, which is, which is very important. And the fourth book, I, I did some free verse poetry I was in high school or in junior high when we had to do poetry. It it was like, oh, I don't want to do poetry. (laughs) I don't like it. I just remember those feelings. But it's really freeing to be able to to write free verse where you don't have to um, be constrained with structure. You know, Um, I've always been amazed at the people that write haikus even though yes. most are, but so much information with so few syllables. It's just, uh, it's, it's so interesting. And then my fifth book is actually a word search puzzle book because Ooh. I'm just, I believe that words have the power to hurt people, of course, but words also have the power to heal. And they so do. this word search book you know, has different terminology and oh, cool. And they're yeah, different shapes. And oh, different I love it. And you know, actually using another part of your brain when you're trying to deal with trauma, using some sort of creative release, like doing a word search puzzle, really provides, you know, some freedom, some distraction from from the heavy topics that you're dealing with, but at the same time you know, you're driven to kind of learn about what you've gone through. So, so the words in this book um, have a lot of related words to each of the topics. And, and that actually, this book actually just became a bestseller. So that is awesome. Congratulations. 
publisher just contacted me, I don't know, maybe a month ago and said, it's a bestseller. So I was like, okay, wait a minute. I would not have expected that in a million years. But yeah. it just goes to show you that, you know, our writing can really resonate with other people and have an impact on them. So, so getting back to your question, you can see there's tremendous differences between anthology books and, yeah. and, and my five book series, as well as my spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale. Yes. And it is always fascinating because you can share, I've always believed that it's easier to get messages across or to share information with fictional stories because you can actually help people learn better because things stick better when it's like with a story you're like oh hey this is actually true wow I remembered this because it was in such and such story so and wow it, you bring I, up a really good point with that you know you really do I'm so glad you said that because yeah I look at my fictional book as kind of a crossover book Mm -hmm. um, for people that, you know, an audience that might not normally pick up a book on spirituality or yeah. they might not be interested in one person's true accounts of what they encountered, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so this fictional book, God Came to My Garage Sale, really can resonate with um, a variety of people. And, and I know I've been contacted and told that it is a book club favorite. So there are numerous book clubs clubs across the nation that have ordered 10, 15 copies, whatever, you know, they're very reasonably priced. They're small enough, you know, that people don't get overwhelmed if they're in a book club. And it great, it, it, it sort of opens up a lot of great talking points for people in a book club. So that's been pretty cool. Um, and, and people have contacted me and asked me via Zoom you know, kind of like what we're doing here to be part of their book club when they're having their final discussions. And so that's really neat to actually meet some of the people that are reading the book and they can ask me questions about it. So it's it's pretty neat. And I, I know the book is in many bookstores. Um, I, I think it's in the works to be even in the airports. So Ooh, yeah. we'll, we'll see how that goes, you know. Um, I think that's a pretty big process in itself because sometimes there are chains and sometimes they are independently owned and, you know, um, but, but it's exciting. You know, I still, I still enjoy, I still enjoy, you know, all the different things related to, to this book. That is awesome. And it's super exciting because bringing yourself joy with your writing is like the important part. Sorry, I have a cat that's trying to like okay. weave his way in through stuff. And I'm like, I am definitely yep. a cat lover. Oh, we have four. So <laughs> one's name. This that one is Pyre. He's our youngest. He's a little over a year old. Aww. He's the one that gets into everything. So yeah, well, of course, he wants to come in here. He wants to know what you're up to. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's actually ended up in the bathtub with my son once or twice because he's like, "What are you doing in there?" And I'm like, "No, oh, right, you don't right. need to get in the water." So right. he's a hoot. But I yeah. love that your writing has influenced so many people, and it it's telling stories and bringing people to healing light. And everything. I love it. Yeah. But we have reached the end of our time, so yeah. go ahead and tell our readers and viewers where they can find your awesome book. 
Okay. Well, thanks. Well, you know, I'm not on social media. I have a website, which is the title of the spiritual fiction. So triple W God came to my garage sale.com. You can find out about the people that have endorsed my, all of my books. I have major endorsers, which is very cool. Um, you can read about me. You can read about my events, book signings, speaking engagements, you know, whatever. So that my website is a great place to, to, check out me and, and my books. Um, but the books can also be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And then my publisher is Balboa Press, which is a division of Hay House. And those Hay House books are so awesome. They're spirituality, self-help. You know, I've always been drawn to the Hay House publishing company. So just so honored to be part of them with all of my books. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the book chat today. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Maddie, for having me here on your podcast.